Welcome to MSP Voice, a weekly show that brings you information from MSPs for MSPs. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome. This is episode five of MSP Voice. Today, I am, welcome, I am welcoming Michael Wayland from Byteworks Technologies out of Texas. Um, Michael, great to have you here. Why don't you just give me a little bit about yourself, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, Michael Wayland with Byteworks. We are a one-man MSP out in the west side of Houston. Uh, we've been around for about five years as a company. Mm-hmm. Really started in the MSP space about three years ago, so we're still fairly new. Um, but once we transitioned to MSP space, we've had rapid growth, so it's one of the uh, important business decisions, I think, that I've made uh, as far as getting to where I want to go. Okay. So what what made you kind of get into managed services? What was the impetus, I guess, for you to, to break out on your own and, and do it? <laughs> well, because d- d- I like to eat and pay people, landlords <laughs> have rent and stuff like that. Um, we actually started as we're planning on doing small business web design and web app development. Uh, I had mm-hmm. a partner who lived out in Seattle, Washington. He does uh, web app development, uh, stuff like uh, state government level uh uh, medical websites, stuff like that on his day job. And he was wanting to break out. So I was coming into that as kind of like the sales side of it. Uh, we just didn't get a lot of traction. We were not doing it very, as much as we'd wanted to barely able to survive at the time. And I had made the two jumped in two feet forward, quit my job and just went into it. So the need for rent and food and stuff like that necessitated <laughs> me starting to take side jobs as, doing IT work, fixing stuff here and there. And uh, it ended up growing so much quicker than the other. Eventually, uh, uh, about two years ago, I ended up buying out my partner and just going full time into the MSP space. Great. So you you mentioned you quit your job. Did you have an IT career first before you did this? Uh, At the time when I started this, I did not. Uh, Early in my career, I've started probably my first paid IT gig was like at Mm -hmm. age 15 when people would call me up and I'd make you know, $20, $30 here or there. So I've always been around doing stuff like this and little web designs, freelance work here and there. Um, the biggest IT gig I had was uh, a kind of tier one, two technician at a mortgage firm. I okay. had, I was basically a loan officer and their IT guy. They, they were, <laughs> had about 20 people, but they knew I could do that. So I got a little bit of extra money doing that on the side. Cool. Uh, so I come at more as a business perspective than as like a technician or engineer that like really lo- love what they did, and, you know, thought they yeah. could do it more. I kind of came at the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed when I was looking at your profile on your website that you have your MBA, um, which yeah. I, I don't know a lot of the how many MSP owners uh, <laughs> you know, have, have an MBA. So that that's great. Yeah, well, that's like, I mean, that's kind of where it started from. So I, before I started the MSP, my last job, hopefully the last job I ever have, I was actually a communications director for a local chamber of commerce. Certainly okay. uh, prior to that, I actually worked for Dish Network. Uh, on their techni- technical side, I did mm-hmm. a lot of uh, breaking the new equipment. I would see some of the stuff that would come out 12, 18 months beforehand, and I would just mm-hmm. put it through his prices, break it, did some business analysis. They wanted me to move out to their corporate office in Colorado, but I wanted to stay in the Houston area. So yeah. we transitioned that I was doing, and all of that was happening while I was 
doing my MBA on nights and weekends. Oh, uh, so I knew that I wanted to start a company. Yeah. Um, while I was at the chamber, one of the members heard that I was good at computers and offered me, hey, $100 a month as a retainer just for the privilege of giving me a phone call. <laughs> and so that got my my juices going. I'm like, oh, wait, this could be something here. Mm-hmm. And so without even realizing the, the MSP space existed, I kind of recreated the will of this kind of idea of, of monthly payment to kind of mm-hmm. do that from this one thing. And I ended up with a couple of clients on a managed contract before I had even discovered ASCII or managed service, even heard the <laughs> acronym or anything like that. That's great. <laughs> so um, looking back to last year, I know the Houston area, which is where you're, where you're at, was, was mm-hmm. pretty badly hit by Hurricane Harvey. Did you or any of your customers you know, have any issues from that? I, I know the, the presentation at the ASCII event in Austin uh, from the one MSP who talked, you know, shared the pictures and everything was, was pretty mm-hmm. devastating. Did that affect your your customers? Uh, it did. Um, one one of the things that I am proud of is that across all of my customers, um, we had a total downtime of only about two hours. Wow. Um, and this is customers that had three feet, four feet of water in their office because of the backup mm-hmm. uh, disaster recovery systems that we had in place. It's one of those, you know, you put it there, you hope you never use it, but yeah. you test it, and <laughs> thankfully it worked as we went to. So anyone of our customers who wanted to continue to work, even if they were at home, we worked over the weekend to make sure that we could get them set up remotely, remote offsite uh, movement. So everybody mm-hmm. who wanted to work can continue work. Myself personally, uh, we were trapped in our home for, we didn't get any flooding, but we were trapped. We couldn't leave the neighborhood oh. for about six days uh, because of the amount of water that we had. Um, like I said, one of my clients ended up with about four feet of water. They just bought and renovated, oh. built out a brand new building, not six months before that. Oh, wow. Um, but we were able to virtualize their servers on site. They have a San Antonio and uh, Austin branch. So we we're able okay. to keep them working yeah. uh, off the main servers by virtualizing those and just routed the phones over there. So they were able to keep continue working. Uh, and then we, I ended up getting some new business out of it because of people who thought that they had backup. No. Or didn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, one one of the the clients we had was uh, a CPA firm, and mm-hmm. they had uh, about eight feet of water. It was up to their ceiling, it was almost to the second floor oh, of their geez. building, uh, and it was there for about three weeks before it got drained enough where they could actually go in there. So their their wow. their all their equipment, all their data, their files, mm-hmm. every hard backup was you know underwater for nearly yeah. a month. Um, they had been paying for a consumer cut rate i've never even heard of it back up <laughs> off-site backup like I, I never heard i don't even remember yeah. what it is right now and so he spent a little bit trying to find somebody to get that back for him uh contacted me and we couldn't get a hold of it it's one of those that they don't have a phone number anywhere you can call you can't look mm-hmm. it up uh nothing we we're doing to recover was pulling anything back up it got to a point where i ended up having to track down their parent company's filing documents in the state of California so I could get a phone number to call them. And as often happens, both of the companies are in the same floor, the same building to move over there. And the end result after about 90 days of trying to get this back, because again, he's an accountant, January, Mm -hmm. we're in mid January at this point. 
And the end result was basically, hey, we got bought out and oops, I think we forgot to migrate this server that your data's on. Oh, geez. They didn't have it. Yeah. So that's, you know, it <laughs> talks about the, the, the importance of backups, right? It's uh, And testing. And testing and, and making sure that uh, you're using you know, enterprise grade quality and not consumer grade quality in a lot of these things. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing, and, and what was the importance of, you know, when I saw the presentation at ASCII, it kind of hits home is when you have a disaster like Harvey, you know, it doesn't affect one customer. It mm -hmm. probably affects almost all of them. And, you know, as an MSP, you know, you, you're, you're probably thinking, okay, well, if customer A or B, you know, I can get them back up online. But if all of a sudden you've got 25 customers that are now affected and they're offline and you need to get them back online, um, you know, it's something that, you know, you really kind of have to step back and think about to make sure, are you prepared for that level of disaster? Are, you know, are your customers protected? Can you get them back online? And it sounds like you, you were, you were pretty well set up. So, so everyone was, was back to work. So that's great. Yeah. Thankfully, again, like I said, it's something that you plan for, or hopefully you plan for if you're in the industry Yeah. Um, and you never want to test, but yep. we, we got hardened by fire and it, it it seemed to work for us. So. Yeah. So I, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. So, you know, I'm not immune to the uh, to the hurricanes, yeah. but uh, we, we we glanced a blow last year. So uh, with Irma. So I was very, very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, one of my questions is how did you trans, transition from break fix into and managed services? But it really sounds like you just kind of stumbled upon managed services, you know, from a contract perspective and, and those types of things. But you know, right. you were doing some break fix when you were younger, but. <laughs> so when, when I first, when we first got started, it was basically hand to mouth. So every, anything I could get, I was mm -hmm. taking. So there was yeah. break fix, there was hourly work. Um, I, I like to say I went through the entire IT business model history in about 18 months. Started as like break fix what I could get to time uh, blocks to manage mm -hmm. service all in the span of like 18 months as I, I was like learning and growing. I was small enough so I could be really quick on my feet. Um, but, and, and as I transitioned more and more to manage service, I lessened the hourly. And mm -hmm. as of uh, July 1st of last year, I basically, all of my clients and went to them that were not on a managed service and said, starting September 1st, you cannot buy an hour of my time anymore. Uh, we're oh, okay. all managed, uh, we're mm -hmm. all contract or I will help you transition to who you need to be, but this is going to be what our co company is moving forward. Uh, during that, we only lost uh, a single client. Uh, most of them moved over. Um, okay. And truth be told, that was a client I priced such that they would hopefully <laughs> move on. Uh, <laughs> so. Sometimes it's not bad to fire your customers, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I like to say I've never lost a customer that I hadn't fired, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So that and so we've moved primarily fully uh, contract work at this point. The only Great. time I will do hourly is kind of a get to know you emergency. Mm -hmm. So if somebody calls me up, their server's on fire, uh, and I think that they would be a good fit. We'll go out there and we'll do hourly work for like the first no get to know us kind of mm -hmm. stuff, showing that we can yeah. do what we can do. Um, but explain, and I will bring contracts at that meeting right then and there. Mm -hmm. Explain what we do, and then push, you know, push forward from there, know, yeah. letting them know that moving forward, uh, we'd love to work with you, but it will be on a contract basis if you do. Got it. So, um, you know, with that and, and this managed service there, what kind of software do you use? You know, what? 
PSA, sure. RMM, you know, all those types of things. So right now we are uh, Kaseya shop on both mm -hmm. their uh, PSA and the RMM tool. So the B the BMS and the BSA. Okay. Uh, uh, we like the way that those kind of integrate together. Um, for the general business, we use QuoteWorks for pulling our different uh, quotes and in, in, uh, for hardware quotes, mm -hmm. uh, QuickBooks Online for accounting. And uh, one of the things that we that I use internally is uh, so the Microsoft E3 license with like I'm really liking the way that recently OneDrive and SharePoint have been tightly integrated. Yeah. Uh, and the Power BI uh, gives me some really mm -hmm. great uh, business analytics straight from QuickBooks that are, in my opinion, a lot better than the reports I can actually pull and make it a lot more <laughs> quick and visual. And actually make some of my own reports uh, with kind of living spreadsheets that I've created with my contract. So I had a glance, I could see how much revenue I have left to come for the year. Mm -hmm. Basically, sold how much how much revenue I have left in the life of my contracts. Just I, you know, it, it it updates once a month, but I can just glance at it and just kind of have a quick snapshot, yeah. uh, which allows me to make some better decisions on like capital expenditures and stuff like that. Great. Now, do you do you kind of have an evaluation process where you kind of go back and look to say, hey, am I using the best software? Is it time to change? Do you do that on a on a, any particular cycle, or or do you just hey, if it works, you know, don't don't fix it? Well. Um, it's been my, so I've got through the years as we we're just starting up, uh, I've, I've gone through a lot of different ones. I started with mm -hmm. GFI Max back when it was still uh, that, uh, got a little bit, wasn't sure about them whenever they were doing like their, their mergers and splits and, yeah. and, and what was going on there. Uh, so we tried the uh, managed workplace by AVG at the time. And then we had a lot of issues with that and ended up, at SolarWinds Enable, mm -hmm. uh, at which point we ended, and we we like SolarWinds Enable. Uh, it's a little bit more uh, work to get going and some of the automation features, but overall we did enjoy the product. Uh, but then we ended up joining the, the 20. Uh, the 20 is famously known, it's is become a full Kaseya shop. So okay. as we were integrating into that, we uh, moved and transitioned all of our clients over to Kaseya. And at this point, uh, all of our clients are over at Kaseya. Okay. Great. Um, so, you know, looking at your business and, and those types of things, do you do you do any advertising? Is it all word of mouth? How do you how do you get new customers? Sure, uh, we do. I don't know if I call it advertising, but we do do marketing. We have a marketing budget. I have approximately ten percent of my annual revenue, even as a one man shop. I put towards marketing. Okay. Uh, a large portion of that has to do with local uh, networks, chambers of commerce. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the most effective marketing that I have done has actually been to spend time at Chamber of Commerce events. Um, a lot of chambers are like so many things you get what you put, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. Uh, you can't go, you can't just pay your annual dues and go to one event a year or the annual banquet and expect mm -hmm. to get anything right. You have to show up. So we'll, we, I strategically will pick like one chamber a year. So we're a member of three right now. Uh, as we get established okay. there, we move on to the next one. But things that we do is we'll a lot of times come in at a higher level, um, which will sometimes just like open people's eyes like real quick. Like, oh, where's mm -hmm. this guy coming in at, you know, near the top, uh, which is usually a fairly low investment. So for like $1,500, you can get to the president's circle, you know, mm -hmm. for that thing, for a year. Yeah. Um, but you get a lot of marketing on like everything that they put out for that entire okay. year 
sometimes it gives you a better in. Uh, we like to do lunch and learns, mm -hmm. uh, which has actually been very successful for us. We have I have a um, uh, 45 hour long presentation for cybersecurity and small businesses uh, that I have to give out. It's always been uh, very well received, sometimes so well received uh, that we have, we've had to split it into two lunches back to back <laughs> because we're so uh, engaged in the conversation, we couldn't get through mm -hmm. everything. Uh, and that has led to quite a bit of uh, phone calls traffic. And then of course, lots of uh, referrals from my existing customers. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know cybersecurity is uh, is is a hot topic these days, and you know, especially for small businesses, because you know they hear so many different things. They you know they they don't you know not necessarily sure what to do, and so having someone come in and and you know give them you know some training and some education on you know what to do, what what to look out for is uh, is, is great. It's a great way to grow your business. Yeah, I mean we've found a lot of success for it. We're planning on continuing to do that. So great. Um, so what advice do you have for someone who might just be getting started into, you know, IT services, whether it's break, fix or managed services, you know, any, any kind of major, major things that they should do or they should watch out for? Well, some of the things that I would say early on, especially if you're trying to do uh, like an all you can eat style contract or something like that is you need to understand uh, why, your service is that actually a good business decision for the person you're trying to sell to. If you don't actually believe, because I've, I've talked to some of these MSPs, like they don't truly believe that their business decision, that they wouldn't make the decision that they're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. um, so you, first off, you have to actually have something that you think is a good business decision for your clients. That it, if you don't think it's going to help them, you shouldn't sell it. And you, and by, if you don't believe it, they'll know it. Mm -hmm. uh, so going into that, I would say, you need to be able to sell with a business mentality. You're talking to managers, you're talking to owners of business. They're going to be looking at this through a business eye. So yeah. if you're just getting started in business, you may have to develop that eye a little bit. But once you've been in it for a while, you'll understand things like cash flow and expenditures and different stuff mm -hmm. like that. And you're so same way you would evaluate a vendor coming to you, you know, you want to turn that eye out. Like if if I was getting this presentation, what like what questions would I ask? Like what yeah. would make me? So if you can't explain that concisely, uh, it, your sales process will be more difficult than it needs to be. And most business owners, they don't really care about the technology of it. They don't want to mm -hmm. hear about all the cool things that we care about. <laughs> you know, they just want to know, is it going to like when Harvey comes in? Yeah. Can my people still work? Yep. They don't care how it happens. They just want to know it can happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, you know, you just, I would say number one is try to find a voice that would be more of a business voice than a tech voice. Yeah, leave uh, the dragon at the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and a lot of times I see with like the one-man shops like myself is they this kind of um, antsiness. They move around a lot to different vendors, like mm -hmm. the, the newest shiny toy or whatever, and they jump around. Uh, that That has like real cost to move from education, from the cost of the licenses, stuff like that. Uh, there's no perfect solution. So sometimes it's better to stay with your imperfect solution that you have now mm -hmm. for maybe a little bit longer instead of necessarily jumping. So I'd, I'd say don't vendor hop as much as sometimes I see yeah. newer <laughs> MSPs doing. <laughs> Definitely understand that. So, um, so what, what do you think is kind of the greatest part about being in managed services? What, what do you, 
what 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 excites you the most about the the whole whole model? Well, for me, um, beyond being a kind of geek for tech, I'm also a I, I love business uh, models and business plans and stuff like that, and being able to see the way that so many different businesses work and mm -hmm. how they're put together, just kind of eye-opening, just something as simple as I, I have cemetery as a customer. Wow. I'm just trying to, if you just stop and think about like, well, a cemetery is supposed to be for here for a hundred years, but they only have so much land. Like how do they make money and keep all this, like mm -hmm. just the figuring out how and seeing my opening my eyes to just different ways of business and then helping those businesses to, to grow and I, I truly do try to act as though I am a CIO or employee of the business. I want them to grow mm -hmm. because in so doing, I will continue to grow. Yeah. And uh, I, so I like having this kind of variety of, of business and problem solving uh, that, that I have uh, with, with my mix of clients. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I kind of understand what you mean because, you know, through my career, you know, I've worked for vendors um, <laughs> myself. And, you know, when you go out on a sales call and, you know, you meet all these different companies and you see all these different industries and it's just like, wow, you know, I never knew that this industry even existed or that there were companies that actually did this. It's like, mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of amazing when you think about all the, all the companies, all the industries and everything that kind of go into, you know, certain stuff. It's just, it, it kind of, it kind of blows your mind. And I understand what you mean about, you know, even locally, you know, if you're working with small customers, there's a lot of small businesses out there that, that serve certain niches that you may not even knew existed or, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a constant education, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, with that, sometimes you'll learn stuff from other industries that could work at this other desperate industry and because they're so far apart, they don't talk to you. Like they would have never have thought about that. So I like trying to sometimes bridge the gap and like, Hey, I just saw this with this. This seems like something that might work and just like bring it up and just seeing what, you know, seeing how it could work or not. Yep. Cool. Um, so that's, that's part of the best thing. What's the worst thing about uh, managed services? <laughs> well, um, it's part I guess one of the worst things about it is the expectations game. Um, mm -hmm. If you are not on top of that, uh, so whereas at its best, you are a part of a company and helping it grow and almost treated like a, another coworker, more so, more than a, just a vendor. Mm -hmm. um, but on the opposite side of that coin is the fact that they sometimes will hold you to a higher standard than they will any other vendor yeah. Uh, whether fair or not, and just being able to navigate that and the the issues that can come up with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, sometimes you know customers aren't aren't good customers, but <laughs> we try, right? <laughs> well, even even the best customers, you know, if the, if their expectations aren't set properly, can mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you know have grievances rightfully or wrongfully. <laughs> yeah, understood. Okay, so um, community. So, yes. you know, in, in this idea of, you know, managed services, um, you know, I believe we already talked, you're a member of ASCII, but, you know, do you consider yourself part of the MSP community? And if so, what kind of resources do you use to, to partake in that community? Absolutely. Um, 
I do consider myself part of the MSP community, and I do monitor uh, a lot of different communities and forums, and I try to answer and give back ideas and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm fairly open book. I will be more than happy to take phone calls from other members of the community, answer them, tell them what worked for me and worked for not. Um, I've, I've had several hour-long conversations that started from an email or a forum group. Yeah. The primary ones that I participate in is the ASCII uh, email forums, uh, the Reddit MSP, and then uh, mm -hmm. the, the 20 groups uh, forums. Okay. Uh, so, I yeah. am, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I am a member of uh, Robin Robbins uh, group, but I don't, uh, that would probably be one of the ones I don't participate as much in uh, right okay. now. Just, just so much time in the day. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the 20. Um, can you maybe help, you know, for, for those like of us that may not have heard of the 20 or not maybe understand what the 20 is, just maybe just give a, a brief explanation of, of what that community is and what it's like? Sure. Uh, 20 seems to be some like the biggest one of the biggest mysteries in the MSP world <laughs> <laughs> right now. I've read, uh, I've read some I've read some posts on Reddit about it. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So more or less the 20 uh, I like to describe as kind of like a reverse co-op. Uh, what it is is a group of like minded MSPs like myself uh, who've kind of come together. Uh, we're trying to provide the top 20 percent of service and IT class that we can in the industry. Okay. Uh, part of that has to be with a kind of unification of our back-end services like the Kaseya, uh, okay. VSA, BMS. And the reason that is important uh, is because we use a centralized help desk and knock service for like the uh, low-level calls. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have uh, documentation, um, guideline, basic stuff uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, each member is voluntarily following. Okay. Um, it, it's, you're not, it's not like we're giving up ownership or anything like that. We're all yeah. fully owned or stuff. We're just working together towards an end goal um, okay. of not having to create a hundred different help desk at every one of our <laughs> offices. Let's all chip in a couple bucks together and just make one really good, really big one that we're all Got participating it. in and making better. Okay. Um, and with that, it allows us or me as like a one-man shop to go after 150, 250 employee mm -hmm. uh, companies and be able to provide them the same level of service that a like 10 or 15 employee MSP is because I've okay. got a 30-man uh, help desk and 10-man knock mm -hmm. working 24-7. Uh, so it allows me to scale a lot easier and be able to do things that I could have never done on my own. And provide the same level of service that I would provide uh, if I if I was doing it myself. Okay. Um, so it, it's been very helpful for me in that regards. I would consider it one of the best business decisions I've ever made. Cool. So yeah, as, like I said, I, you know, it's just kind of, there, there does seem to be some mystery around it um, for whatever reason, but uh, it's not, it sounds like a great idea, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, let's pool our resources together to make, you know, to lift each other, you know, we can all lift each other up together. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just trying to go alone. So uh, I, I really like the I like the idea of that. It's great. And for example, um, like I was telling you, one of my clients has a branch here in Houston as their headquarters, but they also have a branch in San Antonio and Austin. Well, there's a mm -hmm. 20 member out in Austin that works with me. So if there needs boots on the ground, you know, we can share that. And there's so many okay. in the Houston, San Antonio uh, ecosystem of companies with branches in those two cities yeah. that we can work together. If I sell a company here in Houston has a San Antonio branch, he gets that piece of the contract. Okay. If he sells something there. And so we're, we're sharing with each other and we all know oh. 
that the quality is going to be there, mm -hmm. that we're using the same help desk and documentation, that kind of stuff. So we can easily do that kind of stuff and work together and uh, be more collaborative and go after bigger fish than we would by ourselves. Wow, that's great. So thanks for the, uh, the the quick education on the 20. I sure. really appreciate it. I'm sure, other, I'm sure some of our listeners will appreciate it as well. No problem. Uh, so with that, we are now to our rapid fire round. Okay. Um, so um, don't worry. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not too personal, um, but it's uh, just a couple of, it's basically, it's five questions, um, you know, so just answer quick and then we'll move on to the next and uh, maybe we can talk about some of the answers afterwards. So are you ready? Okay. Ready. All right, here we go. Apple or Android? Android. Mac, Linux, or Windows? Windows. <laughs> Amazon, Azure, or something else? Azure. Okay. Local backups or cloud or both? Both. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, which is worse, printer support or vendor cold calls? Ooh. Uh, vendor cold calls. I couldn't... <laughs> Worst case, I could throw the printer away and just buy them a new one. <laughs> yeah, vendor cold calls seem to be uh, to, to be winning out on on, on that one for, for most folks. So, um, and, and trust me, coming from the vendor world and, and being an IT before that, I know how annoying it is. Um, right. Even being a vendor now, you know, we still get cold calls from everybody that wants to sell us something or you know do their service. So, I definitely understand how frustrating it can be. <laughs> I understand. I also understand everybody's got a job to do. Yes. Yep. So I try not to be too rude. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So you know that that kind of wraps up the, uh, the the main portion. Anything in in you know here here at the end that you want to uh, want to say, kind of wrap things up, impart us some knowledge. Sure. Um, I guess for anybody who's looking at potentially going out on their own uh, to start in their journey as an MSP or business owner, I would recommend doing it, but to make sure that you're you're going in with your eyes open, do some planning. Uh, you shouldn't make a business decision based on the fact that you don't like what your current job is doing. Um, but, but I can it, do it better by myself. You can. Um, <laughs> just, if you if you don't come from a business world, I would say just make sure you spend some time on nights and weekends looking at stuff like cash. What is cash flow? What is yeah. overhead? Fixed costs. That kind of just some basic business knowledge uh, will help you immensely and put you head and shoulders above some of the other starter startups yeah. that may not necessarily know that. Yeah, maybe even some business classes at the local community college. You know, that probably yeah. wouldn't uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. So. It, it probably couldn't hurt. Yep. Great. Uh, so, Michael, thank you so much for, for being on um, this episode of MSP Voice, uh, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was fun. All right. Bye.